for Argentina. The dream of number three is alive. The glow of the golden trophy becomes clearer through the mist. The figurehead Messi, the future Alvarez, have helped Argentina into the World Cup final in a couple of days from now. So put your hands up. This is SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith here with Ricardo sitting in for Smithy. Thanks to Brand, your local John Deere dealership. Uh, joining me uh, live here at Flair Bar at Sky City is former All Whites goalkeeper Jacob Spoonley. We've just witnessed the first semi final of the World Cup Argentina 3, Croatia 0. I think went against expectation, didn't it? I mean, I think a lot of people were thinking this is a, this is a game destined for, for extra time, maybe even penalties. Yeah, no, I think there was a fair expectation for the match. I think it was one of several uh, possibilities. What we did see, though, on the field is Leo Messi rolling back the years, really dominating play, perhaps not comprehensively, but picking his moments. And he was so pivotal in making sure Argentina got to their fifth World Cup final? Six. 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 So I just did a recount. Just did a recount. So five form up. They're now heading to their sixth on Sunday. And I think the game went brilliantly for Argentina. I don't think it could have gone any better. They got an early goal. Uh, They got two before the break. And they really did not only play to their strengths, but they also exploited Croatia's weaknesses. Yeah, and how good was Leo Messi? This was uh, peak Messi. This is what you want to see at a World Cup. He is now, I believe, I forgot my stats right, five goals, four assists at this World Cup. <laughs> That's dominant. <laughs> it's not bad. And I think that the interesting thing is you look back on their tournament so far, it hasn't been a wonderful tournament. You can't say that they've been the best team at the World Cup, but they have very cannily manoeuvred their way through the tournament. And now they're only 90 minutes away from having Leo Messi raise the trophy and presumably head off into the sunset as a World Cup winner, having probably announced his international retirement with that win, if it does go ahead. Yeah, and if it does go ahead, uh, that's another question we'll talk about. We'll talk about the GOAT conversation if he wins a World (laughs) Cup. We'll do that shortly. But... um, There are some parallels here because I remember the 86 World Cup. It was an ordinary Argentinian team with a spectacular Maradona and probably Claudio Canigia uh, banging in the goals was was his lieutenant. And it feels similar. You know, it's a pretty ordinary workman-like Argentinian team with he and Alvarez. It is. And I think if we just pause there for the moment and reflect on the game that we did see and, and then how that translates into club level... Alvarez looks an absolute bargain, mate. Mm. 14.1 million pounds. Man City have picked one off the shelf there. He was great in that he wasn't overwhelmed by the 
level of the game, the stage wasn't too big for him, and he really did compliment Messi. You could see he was looking for the runs, he was looking for the movement, he was trying to predict where the ball was going to go, and that was punctuated by that lovely third goal, which was all Messi's hard work, but Alvarez was right where he needed to be to put it in the back of the net. So I think he, for me, is going to be one of those dual threats for Argentina up top. Obviously, Messi's got that free roll. I thought um, Enzo Fernandez was good today. Uh, McAllister continues to impress throughout this tournament. He's probably the one that has surprised from Argentina. However, if we pivot now to the final and what they can expect... I think if they do come, against, come up against France, who are the likeliest of the other semi-finalists to make it through to the final, the defence is a massive concern. This is a team that is so conservative, is so um, insecure, uh, and they got found out by a Croatian team that arguably act any actual attacking threat. Yeah, that's that's fair, I think. I think that is fair. And I, I mean, Argentina um, uh, missing Acuna, I think, uh, hurt them today a little bit. Um, in terms of just that engine room, I think th- that would have actually probably shut Croatia down even faster than, than it did. But they did. I mean, they, they put their foot on the throat of Croatia when they had the opportunity. Um, and they played they played around that midfield, right? They played around the strength. They, just, they hit the flat and they took Modric and Brozovic and um, uh, Kvisovic out of it effectively by by playing the flanks and not trying to play through the middle. Yeah, they, they did. And I think that probably was exploiting Croatia's weakness to a certain extent because Modric, wonderful talent, sits in that midfield. Um, and in the second half, when we saw him given the chance to... We saw him given space. He did take the opportunity to get some wonderful touches in, but Argentina had conceded that space at that point. And in the first half in particular, you could see the energy in which they really did target Modric and try and limit the um, avenue further forward and try and nullify Croatia's best player. And they were able to do that because Croatia arguably didn't have anything further forward or wide or complementary to Modric. Yeah, well, I mean, Perisic was negated a lot. He was probably their biggest attacking threat. Probably a few, two years past it as well like yeah. I'm not saying um, if you put him alongside a, a, an attacking threat he wouldn't be able to compliment them but who was the threat who, you know, who, who was the player that's going to occupy Argentina to allow space to these players that, that can then exploit it yeah well I mean Krummerich the AC Milan striker is probably their best striker and he tends to play as a wide forward for AC Milan rather than through mm. the middle you know I mean arguably their best number nine was sent off from the bench in the 35th minute and Mandzukic <laughs> who's been retired for four years yeah and if you um, make your way down to Kiwi Tier Street or you did before the World Cup you would have heard all of the theories and, and, and how Croatia were going to manage their way through the tournament which I think is exactly what they did but the big concern that kept coming back and the ceiling that everyone thought they were going to hit was they're going to come up against the team they're going to need to overcome uh, a goal deficit and we don't know how they're going to do that because they don't have a striker. They don't have someone who can just crash through the wall and put that ball in the back of the net. And we saw them given a couple of opportunities today. Argentina, as we said, vulnerability at the back, um, but Croatia weren't able to take advantage of it. Tell you a bloke who's not going to be going back to Kiwi Tia Street anytime soon is uh, your old mate Ross Nicholson, who uh, changed his Facebook profile this morning to an Argentinian flag. Yep. <laughs> no, that uh, that did not end well, and uh, there's a bit of a legacy of bitterness there. <laughs> right, right. We'll leave that there. Uh, let's start, though, by talking the first goal. Um, it was a penalty to Argentina. Mm. Um, I could be... I think I'm in the minority, judging off Twitter and conversations that I've had on Twitter during the game this morning. Yes. But it looked, for me, that the Croatian keeper came out to close, uh, close the space of the striker. Uh, he stopped... 
and tried to block slash save. So he didn't have any forward momentum anymore because he was stopped. Uh, Alvarez had the shot and then careered into him and yet the penalty gets given to Argentina. That looks to me like the striker's initiating the contact. Uh, the keeper doesn't have to get out of his way for me. It's not a pen. Uh, what, what do you want me to comment on there? Well, because I think that's yes been comprehensively no. <laughs> Yes or no Ricardo. from you. I know, uh, I know you're a, go- you're, you're a no, goalkeeper. No, but. I think that's a wonderful description of what happened. And uh, on reflection and seeing other people's opinions, I can definitely understand why it was given a penalty. In the past, I've actually thought... Why don't referees give that sort of contact as penalties more often? Mm. Um, however, I, I think if you're going to put a gun to my head and say pick one way or the other, I'm going to agree with you. I think the goalkeeper's gone out to make the save or shut down the space. He knows he's not going to get there. So to your point, he's put on the anchors and he's spread himself. The ball's gone past him. The covering defenders have obviously got there before it's crossed the line. And he's now turned around and he's looking back at the ball. The Argentine player has created the contact so for me I could completely understand why that wasn't given as a penalty I think the only thing that I'm uncertain of and forgive me it's just uh, immediately after the game Mm. is that there could have been an argument that he could have got to the ball before the Croatian defenders in which case mm, I think you can probably get further towards it being a clear cut decision but um, I I think my final comment on it would be it's 50-50 Surprised, not surprised that VAR didn't get involved with that one and ask the ref, hey, come and have a look. Because the ref, I mean, <laughs> no. you know, be fair to the ref, he's oh, seeing it at full God. speed, full time, right? Yeah, I mean, well, maybe if he has another look at that, he kind of sees what we've just talked about. Zooming up to 10,000 feet, mate, my opinion on VAR is that it's good. It allows us to review decisions in the match so that we get them right. It's supposed to create certainty. Mm-hmm. However, regardless of the level that VAR has been implemented at and regardless of the structures and the the protocols that referees are supposed to follow, it has created more uncertainty. So I was quite happy uh, VAR didn't get involved. Um, And I think that one of the things I'd love to see at the back end of this World Cup is that we get definitive uh, and we get get definitive rules, we get consultation with players in particular about when VAR should intervene and on what basis they should overturn or correct decisions. Yeah, I think that's that's fair and we'll see uh, if if FIFA listen. Because it's not going away, Ricardo. It's not going away, it's here to stay. It's here to stay now because... Let's make it better, refine it. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, and a lot of the reason it's here and here to stay is, is tied into money too. So I mean, like, you know, they can now put sponsorships around it, right? So exactly. they can they can have gaps in the game, and you know, arguably for TV, that's what they want. Um, so so that's not going away. Uh, that said, we've both both said we don't think the first goal was a penalty, but on the balance of things, Croatia did not deserve to win this game. They just didn't no. do enough. No, exactly. Um, and I think that was there, there was a. There's a couple of elements in this. So looking at the Croatian um, performance, I think the wonderful individual talent that Argentina had mm. meant that they could create chaos, and that chaos needed to be managed through what we were hoping to see in a stout Croatian defence, which is what we've seen up until this stage of the tournament. Against Brazil, they were wonderful. They really did nullify um, arguably more attacking threats in the Brazil game than they did here today. However... It was a poor performance from this Croatian backline. Like, no two ways about it. I thought Guardiola and Lovren were all over the shop at times. If you look at that second goal, the backline is... It's stretched, there's two tears to it, and that's just set at complete polar opposites to what we've seen from this centre-back pairing up until this stage of the tournament. So, 
that was the accompanying factor in the wonderful individual performances that we did see from Messi and Alvarez, is that they were arguably maximised or they were given more space than they should have because of the poor Croatian defensive performance. Mm. And now um, we mentioned him at the top but I don't think it bears, it bears mentioning again Messi, five goals, four assists this World Cup, the creation of that third goal. Yeah. There's no argument about the third one, was there? No, no and this and this was the moment that we did that we did see Messi literally step up and take control of the game. I think he was one-on-one up against Guardiola down the left-hand yep. side was it? And 34? 34, I've got that right. Great. Thank you, Ricardo. Not in. <laughs> Not in the way. Um, and he just said, I'm going to have a go. And he, he stretched Guardiola down the right-hand side. And in doing so, and in getting beyond, he nullified, or, um, he isolated Guardiola uh, and then put him on skates. So Guardiola could not make a challenge. He was one-on-one up against arguably the greatest player left in the tournament. Um, Mbappe, I think, probably comes close, and we hopefully see him put his case forward in the next semi-final. But in that situation, there was there was scrambling. There was desperation. They were already two goals down. Guardiola had been isolated. The Croatians couldn't get back and defend. Uh, Messi took absolute advantage of it, and as he's done so far throughout his career he found the free man, he put the ball into the dangerous space, so he did the really basic thing after doing the really complicated, and that put Alvarez on a platter, and he knocked it in beautifully from there, so that was all Messi for me. That was all Messi, yeah Messi, uh, 3, Croatia nil. that is the final score in the semi-final former All-Whites goalkeeper uh, Jacob Spoonley, Argentina through to the final, some great stats coming through, the golden boot stats, uh, there are two Argentinians and two Frenchmen at the top of the golden boot stats, and <laughs> It all looks great, but that is depending on whether or not the French can get past Morocco, because that Moroccan team looked very, very good. I mean, I thought they'd played their last game against Spain. I thought that's their final. Didn't think they'd get past Portugal. They've been fantastic. Mm. I think they've been the real story of the World Cup so far. And I think if you stand back and look at it, mate, it's a great statement for the World Cup. We started... The World Cup was effectively South South America against Europe. We then went into a phase where it expanded a little bit further. We got some teams outside of Argentina and England and Germany that could potentially get to the World Cup final. We then kind of hit USA 94 and it spread. And so we've got um, a bit more of a global World Cup. Uh, And then we saw the likes of the Asian teams starting to punch above their weight and get into the knockout stages. But we've never seen an African team get this far. And it's wonderful to see that we're now adding another um, tool to the kit uh, in what we can hope for at future World Cups. And hopefully it speaks to more and more African teams that can get this far in the tournament because they are wonderful to watch. They are they're fantastic to watch. Uh, midfield, very, very strong. Even their back line. I know they've lost um, size uh, to that injury. Um, but, I mean, at the end of the last game, they, they had, I think, three of their four starting back line were off the field and they still held out against Portugal and did it reasonably comfortably, it's got to be said. That was the surprising thing about it. I think the goal that they got was poor and Portugal looked back on that and said they could have defended it a lot better. But once they had that lead, they did nullify Portugal pretty comprehensively. And one of the players of the tournament for me, you can look at Livakovic, the goalkeeper for Croatia. Um, I think you can look at Luka Modric, who's been wonderful as well. Mbappe is an absolute weapon. But in terms of not only performances across the tournament, but also surprises, Amrabat. Yeah. I, I liken him to a 
linebacker in the NFL because he does such a wonderful job of not necessarily screening the back two, the centre back pairing, but he does the whole back four. He goes side to side, he cleans up, he intimidates, he dominates, he turns over the ball, and he's got enough quality and enough nous to know that he just needs to get it into his dangerous players and just move the ball outside of that pressure. Mm. He's done everything that you would ask and more from a defensive midfielder. It's going to be interesting. I'm really looking forward to the clash between um, Hakimi and Mbappe. I yeah. mean, two teammates at PSG, yeah. they know each other inside out. And arguably Mbappe got the better of Kyle Walker uh, yep. for France against England. I think the moment of the World Cup so far is when Mbappe squared up Kyle Walker, his side of halfway, and said, I'm going to roast you on the outside. And I think the world held its breath for a moment. Mm. And we saw this beautiful race that that eventuated before our eyes and Mbappe gassed him. So Hakimi has the inside knowledge. It's going to be great to see it. I think that's probably one of the battles that will decide the game uh, tomorrow. But killing Mbappe, if he overcomes Hakimi and France get yeah. over Morocco, then we could see a quite literal match that could decide the legacy of Messi, but also the potential passing of the torch between two generations. Now, you mentioned earlier that the Argentinian defence weren't great. I don't think the French defence is particularly good. They tend to be, uh, there tend to be gaps behind the fullbacks a lot, particularly Teo Hernandez's side, because he likes to get forward. Ne- and neither him and Dembele like to track. Um, <laughs> neither does Mbappe, for that matter. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, um, I once described um, Teo Hernandez as the, as the French Trent Alexander-Arnold. Great going forward, not not so great defending. Um, the, Put it the, alongside Varane Varan and, and you know, you know defensively and, weak. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. So there's a hole there, and I mean Hakim Ziyech, uh, you know, he's, he hasn't really fired at Chelsea, but very good at Ajax when he was there. I mean, there will be plenty of teams that'll want him, even if Chelsea still don't want him. Uh, but he could be a real difference maker here because those are the kind of holes he likes to exploit. I think the French team they have developed this brand and this reputation and I think they have relied on that at times throughout this tournament so you're right they do a lot with the ball they like going forward um, and I think what they do is they kind of bluff or get the opposition to gamble and say well look if you want to commit players forward and if we are almost cheating and leaving the number of players up front and you aren't covering them then we're going to exploit that. So we will back our defenders almost to go one-on-one, turn the ball over, and then we'll attack you when you're stretched. And I think there's a weakness in that, um, but there's also a strength. But you're right, with a player like Ziyech, he is smart enough and he's also got the physical ability to really exploit. I think even Teo Hernandez one-on-one, because he hasn't been a great defender. He's jumped in so often, and you, if you do that against Ziyech, you could be on a yellow card very quickly, you could give away a free kick, or potentially you could just make the mistake that Ziyech pounces upon to then exploit, create an assist or a goal. Yeah, and you, you've already mentioned uh, Amrabat, who's been so solid in midfield. Is it as simple as boiling this game down tomorrow? So it's it's him versus Griezmann. I mean, Griezmann plays in that hole. They occupy the same space in the field. Mate, I think this is the issue with the French team, and this is why I think they're the best team at the World Cup. Not only are they defending champions, but if you look at the generation that they've got at the moment, parking the players they don't have at this tournament, which even speaks to the point I'm about to make, which is the wonderful depth that they do have. If you try and isolate, nullify Griezmann, what are you going to do with Mbappe? What are you going to do with Dembele? What are you going to do with Giroud? Uh, and then you've got the likes of Tuchimini and um, a player that we haven't really seen, Kamazinga. Yeah. And they're going to be here for the next World Cup as well. And Rabiot. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's it's frightening, mate. So, 
if I'm the Moroccan coaching staff, yep. I've got two jobs. One, figure out a game plan, which yep. is hard enough, and then two, try and convince the team <laughs> that it's good enough to nullify six or seven threats in France. So, where are you then? What's your, what's your call tomorrow? What's the prediction? I think Morocco are going to do a wonderful job. They are going to come out and they are going to play this game with confidence, with a freedom. Uh, and I think for large chunks of the match, they are going to match France. And even they'll probably give them a few scares. However, I think the point that we've just made is the one that's going to win the day, which is France has too much. And they have arguably the best player in the world at the moment. Kylian Mbappe. Kylian Mbappe, yeah. yeah. He is uh, a match winner. He is a game turner. He is a difference maker. It is 22 away from 11 here uh, on SENZ. Mornings with Ian Smith, Ricardo Ball, Jacob Spoonley talking the World Cup semi-finals. Uh, thanks to Brandt, your local John Deere equipment supplier. We're live from Flare Bar in Sky City. Uh, Ricardo Ball, Jacob Spoonley with me. And um, Jacob, we were talking off here uh, over the break about whether or not this puts Messi in the GOAT conversation. I've, I've seen former pros, Chaka Hislop, ESPN's FC, saying, if you don't win a World Cup, you can't be considered the greatest of all time, which I disagree with. Ah, it's clickbait, mate. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's just attention-grabbing, isn't it, that yeah. sort of comment? Yeah. Um, I think him getting to a World Cup final doesn't elevate him into the conversation of greatest player of all time. I think if he wins the trophy, then he goes from... Being in the conversation, that second tier with the likes of Beckenbauer, Bobby Moore, um, and he leaves and elevates into the conversation with Pele and Maradona. Uh, and I think he leaves behind Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, I think uh, that puts that conversation to bed, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think two points to that. One, the performance of Messi, but also the way in which Ronaldo behaved during this tournament. Clearly put himself before the team, and that's something that tarnishes your legacy. And it is the last... Uh, thing that we've seen with Ronaldo and so it's going to leave a bitter taste in a lot of fans' minds. Yeah, I think it will. I, th- I 100% agree with that. I, I think the way he's behaved at this World Cup, well actually even before this World Cup, you yeah. know, the way he's acted at, at Manchester United, the thing he did with Piers Morgan. I mean, you know, the, f- the, f- the fact that he came out and did the story was one thing. I, I think uh, doing it with Piers Morgan was worse than actually doing it. And right before the World Cup as well. Yeah, uh, and doing it after he'd left, so there was was a coward move. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. It was a coward move. Exactly. Coward move. Uh, uh, all right, we've talked about that. We're looking forward to tomorrow, France-Morocco. We, we think probably France is going to have too much. That means it's going to be an Argentina-France World Cup final Monday morning. I mean, you've talked about the passing of the baton. I think most neutrals would want to see Messi lift the World Cup, wouldn't they? I mean, Mbappe's still yeah. got time. He's already got one. Oh, we love we love a happy ending, don't we? Like, Yeah, this will be uh, stuff of movies that... Um, Leo Messi, uh, small boy from Argentina, comes good in Barcelona, plays for the, arguably the greatest club team of all time, wins everything, gets Argentina to six finals, and then with his last game at international level, he wanders off into the Qatari sunset with that wonderful trophy. It makes for a massive, massive um, story. I don't think Mbappe's going to give him that moment, though. And there's going to be an absolute fight um, if we do see France against Argentina in the final. Yeah, looking forward to uh, what is going to uh, pr- promises to be a fantastic uh, World Cup final.